Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendship alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom, KJ, and Ben. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz as these four rapid-fire trivia questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that is worth one more point. Then we'll follow it up with a theme discussion, this week being Prisons by Other Names. Thanks to our guest Ben for picking the movie this week. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Walking up to theaters in 1942, we would have had to choose between Cat People, For Me and My Gal, Arabian Nights, and today's movie, Casablanca. Casablanca is about Vichy France and the very outskirts of Vichy France, Casablanca in Africa. And we have Rick who runs a saloon there and is a sort of lonely, sad man. But who walks in? But Victor Laszlo on the arm of Rick's former lover, Ilsa. Turns out that Victor Laszlo is leading the resistance and he needs papers in order to get to America. Will Rick help him? Will Rick rekindle his romance with Elsa? We will see in the dark, abiding heart of Casablanca. It's time for question one. Where are the others who wait and wait and wait, trying to get to? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in with what I think is a European guess. Okay, KJ, can you give us our best European guess? Lisbon? Nick, what do you have? I think I heard the question wrong. I thought they're all waiting to get to the United States. Okay, and Ben, what do you have? Uh, actually, that was going to be both of mine. I was like, Lisbon with the goal of getting to America. All right. I'll give everyone the points. It's They specifically said Lisbon, but it is a transit to America. So okay. okay. Points for all. I'll take the desperation point. <laughs> I, think, I think it's fair that everybody gets points. They are really, no, no one is trying to celebrate in Portugal. It's, it's America. No, we made it to Lisbon. We're good. We're here. <laughs> Apparently it is a gorgeous city. Oh, I've, I've heard nothing but there, good things, but... but not in terms World of War, the what, film, <laughs> no offense to all of our Portuguese listeners. Two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, we love Lisbon. But... It's time for question two. According to Peter Lorre's character Urgati, what has not even Rick seen? Locked in. Locked in. Uh, I'll lock in with a guess. All right, Ben. What do you have? Uh, I'm just going to guess with those those two flight passes. Okay. Can you be a little more specific? Uh, like the the things that he asked him to hold, the like transit passes that everyone's trying to get. All right. KJ, what do you have? Yeah, I had the same, those transit papers. But um, Peter Lorre was so excited to describe even how how specific they were, like who they were either signed by or or. You know, they were a golden ticket. They would get past anything. Um, but I can't remember those details, but it was those. Nick, what do you have? Yes, blank transit papers. So not assigned. You just write your name on it and you're good. Right. So I 
I'll either give no one the points or everyone the points because it's the same. The thing that... Um, so which one is it? <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? No, it does. Did we get points? <laughs> I'm going to say no because I have to do okay. less math then. But it, it's, what even Rick hasn't seen is papers signed by General de Gaulle. Hmm. So they're papers... Oh, who signed, signed them? Yeah, by Charles de Gaulle. It's time for question three. Rick sits down at one point and speaks with Major Heinrich Strasser. In that conversation, what does Rick claim is his nationality and what does it make him? I'll lock in with the guess. Locked in. I think I know at least half of the answer here, but the other half, I, it's yeah. just on the other side of my Can um... you repeat? Mm-hmm. So this is when Rick is sitting down with Claude Rains's character, as well as Conrad Wietz's character, the, the Nazi Major Heinrich Strasser. They ask Rick, what's his nationality? What does it make him? And what does Rick say? I'll lock in because I have to. All right, Nick, what do you have? He doesn't have a nationality. He's a man of the world. So he's free to do as he pleases. Okay, KJ, what do you have? I, so I, I pretty said he's a drunk. It was his nationality. And then I can't remember if somebody says that makes him a citizen of the world. I don't think so. I think um, Rene, the, the other kind of main character in this, I think that he says, and see, so Rick is completely neutral. So a drunk, which makes him completely neutral. All right. And Ben, what do you have? Uh, I, I couldn't remember the nationality and I thought it was that it makes him a, a human being, but I don't feel good about that answer at all. <laughs> KJ was the closest, but he backed off the full answer. Uh, Rick says he's a citizen of the world and he's a drunkard. Wait, so didn't I say man of the world? You did. So Nick yeah. is Nick is getting a point. KJ is getting a point because you both had part of it. Okay, um, fair. But it was, yeah, what's Rick's nationality? He's a drunkard, which makes him a citizen of the world. And here we are at the last question. The points are Nick is two, KG is two, Ben has one. So let's go for it. Anybody's game here. It's time for question four. What does Laszlo do? Victor Laszlo, the, uh, the, the, the propagandist. What does Laszlo do, which results in the Nazis shutting down Rick's cafe? Locked in. Locked in. There's a lot of these, but this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. There's a lot on the line here. Hold on a second. I think Spielberg has said in the past that this is his favorite movie scene of any movie of all time. If I'm, if I have the right answer, but yeah. if not, we'll figure that out. <laughs> I, it, it might be more inspiring than Rocky, and yeah. that's pretty inspiring. Yeah, I think it's more inspiring than Rocky. It's <laughs> someone who's not a big Rocky fan. <laughs> Are there other people who don't like? Wait, Rocky? you guys might have talked me into the answer. Okay, I don't, well, I don't well. know for sure, like how specific we need to get. But oh wait, locked in. Sorry. Okay, you want to go for it, Nick? Yeah, he starts like singing and dancing. And he like leads this crowd to follow him up, and they think he's you know start being a rabble rouser to the cause. All right, I think Ben was next. Yeah, he goes to the band and instructs him to play was it Les Champs Elysees or like the French national anthem to drown out the other group that is singing. All right, and KJ, what do you have? Yeah, he has the band um, play the French national anthem while the Germans are 
I'm assuming that was the German national anthem. Um, and it, and then but then the whole bar gets into it, and it's just ravel, ravel, ravel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. So um, that's what causes the bar to shut down because the Germans are outsung. Exactly, and that means KJ gets the episode. All right, because Nick yeah. doesn't get the episode. Oh, you were close, but. You didn't say the national anthem. I gave you points for that's true. I did not say the end. Yeah, national anthem. It's the, the La Marseille. He sings La Marseille. I don't think I knew it was their national anthem. Yeah, so it wasn't a forgetful thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. No, but like and they didn't say French national anthem. They just no. <laughs> but I mean, it's KJ. Congratulations. Yes, yeah, congrats, <laughs> KJ. I don't believe they're singing the German national anthem. Because the German oh, take anthem, his points or I take yeah. the crown. <laughs> the is um, Deutschland, Deutschland, über alles, über alles in those. Anyway, but uh, yeah, there we go. Congratulations, KJ. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm gonna look up the uh, na- French national anthem now, just mm. so I make sure it. All right. Well, the only reason I kind of think I know mm. it is the the Beatles played it because mm-hmm. they were they famously played it when. I guess it was one of the first international broadcasts from England, and they were. But I didn't know they were in Casablanca. But Rick, we're just trying to get to Lisbon. We heard it was nice this time of year. (laughs) (laughs) It is such like a motivational and inspirational scene, though. Like that lady at the end who's like "Vive la France" and like has like this single tear dropping. It's like, oh man, this is like that. That did the trick. And apparently, in that scene, there were actual refugees Mm. working as extras. Mm. That's cool. Who have been who have been refugees through that system? Authentic. Yeah, Yeah. and so uh, this movie was made in um, right before America came into World War II. So it was made like within with a an eye towards something that was actually happening on the ground at that time. I think it was like rushed out for that reason. So it really was something I think that's even more probably prevalent in its day. How what what circumstance it was speaking to. I thought you were going to ask how many people in this movie were also in the Maltese Falcon. Oh, <laughs> how many? Can tiebreaker. You, can you do it? Um, I let's. You want to get? You want to piece it together right now? I think we five? have. I have three. I oh. have. I have a solid three as well. I don't know if there's mm. any other ones. Um, yeah, I think so. I could name that tune in three. I don't know about how many more. <laughs> yeah, we have Sydney, Sydney Green Street. Street. Yeah, Humphrey Bogart, Peter Lorre. I mm. don't know if any of the other people were Wait, there. Who's who's Sig- who's Sydney? Who's the first? Oh, one he was, was he was the fat man. That's yeah. Okay, yep, and the Ferrari other bar. Yep. Yeah. Ferrari. Yeah. Congratulations to KJ for yeah he he legitimately won that one. So congrats KJ. Hey, thanks, and guys. we'll be right back. After this break with our topic of the week, prisons by other names. Join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982 on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample. I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be no print, because we don't want to print things as we're going along. I think by default, 
it's not gonna print and even if i did that print, I, where is it gonna print to 1982 i would imagine if we go west we're gonna be south of the troll right just south of the troll land yeah, let's try it you go west the trolls clearing the visible oh we died oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right the troll the troll saw us and killed us so I think we have to say the answer to the riddle then. The answer is dark. Say dark, I think. Talk to what? Gollum. Gollum. Say Gollum dark. You talk to Gollum. Thorin says, hurry up. And we died. What? And we died. So we went northeast last time. So let's go southwest. You go southwest. Visible exits are north, northwest. You see the valuable golden ring. Oh, wow. here. That's, wait, wait, wait. Perfect. Oh, That's perfect. Limited Lexicon coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios. And we're back. And guys, we're joined today by Ben, who is also on another podcast called Three Films Pod, which is another movie podcast, which I'm going to recommend over Talking Pictures Trivia, to be honest. Ben, can you tell us about Three Films Pod? Uh, I can't endorse that endorsement, but I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, I've, I've come on here a few times. I love being on this pod. And I think really anyone that enjoys this podcast would probably enjoy ours. We are also three geographically challenged friends who <laughs> meet over Zoom to talk about movies. So uh, our whole thing is we every month we pick a theme. And then each of us pick a movie that's new to us that falls under that theme. So right now we're doing um, like stop motion animation. So we're watching, you know, the new uh, um, Guillermo del Toro, Pinocchio, Marcel, the shell and Kubo and the two strings. So wow. just that kind of thing. So we just like pick a random theme and then movies that kind of tie into it. So that's, that's kind of what we do over there. We also do other kind of fun episodes of like a, a movie draft or recasting a movie, something something along those lines. Um, and then I have a, another podcast called 24 minutes of a 24. Um, and it's pretty much all in the title. We talk about an a 24 movie for her. Uh, we attempt 24 minutes. I don't think we've ever done it. But, I was going uh, to say, like, is that a stopwatch on this one? Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, we got close ones and we got to like 26, but um, yeah, so that's super fun. And we actually are kind of taking a break from a 24 right now. We've been covering all 10 best picture nominations. Um, so that's what we're doing there right now. But after the Oscars, we'll get back to our regular fare of just like going over all the A24 movies. But today we have you as a prisoner on Talking Pictures Trivia. So let's jump right into our topic of the week, Prisons by Other Names, which was brought by Tom. So Tom, you want to start us off here? Yes, Casablanca is a really interesting space because it's filtered to us through the sort of glamour of Rick's world, Rick's bar, his club, um, which has lots of liquor. It has beautiful women. It has good music, a la Sam. But it's also a place of transit. It's a place where people are going because they want to find freedom. And it's that last stop on the road to freedom. And it's also a barrier to that freedom. We see the plane that takes you to Lisbon, which would then take you on to the free world here in America, um, flies over Rick's actual building, right? It goes right over them. Um, but meanwhile, also we have Rick who is completely trapped by his affection for Ilsa 
and what had happened to them in Paris. And his sort of faith in causes has been broken by that. We learn he was a fighter during the Spanish Revolution, which was against Franco, for anyone who doesn't know about the Spanish Revolution. Franco, uh, huh? Franco, yeah. Um, you also need to know that for an upcoming movie we're watching called Pan's Labyrinth. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, also um, Spirit of the Beehive might be might be a good reference point there. But anyway. Oh, what, um, before I watched it, but yeah, yeah. story. <laughs> Yeah. And so Rick is also sort of a, a prisoner of that, that affair and has kind of lost his faith. And despite his glamour and his ease, he actually is able to sort of embrace the, the prison world of Casablanca. He's able to live in it in elegance. And you also are in a country, Vichy, France, France, which has been divided in half, um, which has become kind of a prisoner to its own indifference, right? Or its own performed indifference, where it takes a neutral stance to all conflict, to, to the Germans, to the Americans, to what have you. And as such, those representatives of that bureaucracy, people like Claude Rains's character, are all have also become prisoners to this sort of um this sort of indifferent pleasure that seems to be beating at the heart of Casablanca. And so I think the the idea of Casablanca as a prison is very interesting because it's sort of based in uh, a sort of prison of pleasure, a prison of indifference, a prison of living without cause, right? And I think that's what this movie is about, is, is the opening up of that, the escape from that prison, not just getting Laszlo on the plane off to eventually America to continue the fight, but to get Rick and and Claude Rains's character out of their own sort of uh, muck of inaction. In addition to the main characters, one of the things that jumped out at me when I saw your theme for this week, which may take us on a tangent or may just be a thought on my mind and we move on, is it was also a prison for all the other people who came to Casablanca. Usually wealth is a way to get you through, but even wealth wouldn't do it. You were still trapped. So mm. it was a, a weird, I don't even, I don't know if paradigm shift is the right word here, but it's not like everyone else got left behind the riffraff. Even the wealthy couldn't buy their way out of this prison. It's a bizarre one for that reason, right? Because it's it's glamour, but also what's right behind the glamour and almost pretty obvious is that you're you're trapped here right and it's on the border of freedom you know it, it's that last gate before you can get to the new world and it just seems it seems like such a cool place but it really you know it's it's being hunted up by nazis right it's <laughs> it, it is it is but it was a weird like, neutral ground too right they're like hey we've been looking for you i'm here you're here but i can't go after you here but i'm not letting you on that plane yeah, like it's, it's just a weird space. Yeah, it's a in this space. crazy world. <laughs> yeah, it's a liminal space. It's a space between. Um, it's it's the space at which sensation matters. It's it's that borderland, right, between the freedom represented by Lisbon slash America and the the absolute kind of concentration camp style prison represented by America. Vichy France becomes this, this neutral ground, but the, the neutrality itself is trapping, 
um, it seems like it it has promise, but it really kind of condemns these people to not having any kind of really moral purpose or moral agency. You know, in the intro, they, I think they actually use the word imprisoned Europe. They describe the mm. world, uh, well, I guess the world war, as a, as a imprisoned Europe that is occurring. So not only are there prisons on a, on a micro scale, like e- each character seems to be in their own individual prison, and then Casablanca seems like a more just open air prison that they're stuck in. But then even going macro, going bigger, the world was a prison to World War II at this time. So that, that it felt like you weren't just stuck. You were stuck and stuck, and then you were also personally stuck. Yeah. There's so many layers to it. Uh, I mean, my first thing I jumped to is just our protagonist, Rick, is like he's – it's a almost a prison of his own design. You know, he lives on top of it, you know? <laughs> like he is here in this space and just surrounded by all these people who are, you know, trying to – gain benefit whatever through him or whatever they can do um but you can kind of see his his unhappiness and just that he the fact that he's stuck there and i think that also just makes the payoff so much i'm like bigger and better at the end of the movie because we're like oh he's like he signed over the bar like he's going to do this like he's out of here you know and then for the way that for all of it to unfold uh it just hits so much harder there it's like oh he 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 couldn't do it. Um, and he's like putting himself back into that situation. But I think this is like such a cool theme to think about. Cause like, as I'm watching, it's like, you know, subconsciously you realize, Oh, this guy's stuck here, you know, but then like when you really dig into it, it's like, Oh, all of these people are kind of stuck here right now. Unless you have like just these very specific things that can help you get out. And like you said, it's like, even the wealthy can't do it. You know, like there's, there's just so few options for getting out of there. And Rick, he helps one young couple, you know, when he tells them to do the, the black 22 and do it twice, you know, and, um, you know, that's when we see him kind of shift on his, I stick my neck out for no one kind of thing, you know, and that was like more doing a favor than sticking his neck out. But um, you just see the surprise on everyone else's face when it happens. Like, <laughs> oh, Rick has a, a conscience, you know, <laughs> like they're just like, oh, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I this theme. Uh, yeah, just like it's it's great uh, because for all these characters, they, they're trapped in their own prison here. And the woman who played that uh, Bulgarian actress, uh, Bulgarian refugee, was actually the studio head's stepdaughter. It's Jack Warner's oh. stepdaughter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. And Nina, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I think that that is a, a good point because she, you see her when the plane leaves earlier on and she says, mm-hmm. maybe one day we'll be on that plane. And then Rick kind of facilitates that. But I, I think you're right that like, oh, Rick has a heart, which we know from other people he does because he was a freedom fighter for, for years and years. And what's so, so sort of sad about that scene where he, you know, the, was it Black 22, Black 23? Black 22, yeah. Black 22, where he basically gives them their freedom is that you, you see the kind of remnant of who he was. I think it's the same thing in the... Uh, in the Le Marseille scene where they, they start singing the French national anthem and he permits it, right? Rick allows that to go on. Yeah. Um, and it's again, that sort of, um, that, that sort of remnant of who he was. There's a, there's a detail here that I think we're missing and maybe it's unimportant, but they, she has her freedom. It's just, she has to sacrifice her virtue to get it. So what Rick's actually saving is her virtue, right? She asks what kind of man is, 
Captain mm. Renee, and he says, well, like any other man, just more so. And Rick kind of puts it together. And then she asks, should I do this thing that it means freedom and you know a better life for my kid? And he says, no, just go back to Bulgaria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not the freedom that Rick's buying her. It's not having to sacrifice other terrible things. Yeah, I think when he says just go back to Bulgaria, I think that's a nihilistic statement. Yeah. That's where you, you just go die, basically. It's like you have a choice between sacrificing your virtue or dying. So you might as well just go die. Nothing right. matters, right? Um, and But of course, that's not who Rick is. Rick is or was and probably still is. And by the end of the movie is fully a person who is willing to make sacrifices to to free the lesser people which is what happens at the end we also know that uh captain renal is is that way as well i was waiting for you to bring him up <laughs> yeah he's my one. favorite prisoner right he's at yeah. the top but <laughs> he's he's uh, not a good guy but he's enjoyable to watch on screen as he plays the audiences around him oh like yeah he's just like a, yeah. he's one of the best characters and I mean, probably my favorite line of the whole movie is like, I'm like shocked to see that there's gambling going on here. It's like, yeah, yeah. Winning, sir. You, yeah. Know, like, yeah. you know, like that payoff. He's like a cockroach. He'll survive anything. A hundred percent. Like he, he's figured out his way. And again, even with Rick saying like, don't worry, I told Ferrari you win roulette, you know, like your, your plan is still good to go, but it is like these inner workings, even just within, you know, the bar itself um, inside Rick's that it's just like, there's all these, um, moving pieces, I guess, but one of them is Renault and just like, as long as we keep kind of feeding him, you know, his, the money, you know, he's like, he'll let things slide or whatever. But yeah, I, I loved his character. He was, he was great. Yeah. Another one of my favorite lines from uh, Renault was, um, Oh, it's a little game we play. They give me the bill and I tear it up. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. He had some of the best lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's what we love about these characters, like why we like Renal almost as much as Rick, is that they're really good at this world. They're like the most competent people in this space. They get it. And they get it in a way that kind of nationalism, people who have this that kind of national pride don't, right? Um, you know, because even the people who are singing the French national anthem are sort of struck by it, but that doesn't empower them at all. It makes them feel good in the moment, certainly, but it's not what's going to free you. And the Nazis are just completely blind because of their own, you know, whatever, their Wagnerian pride or however you want to describe it. Um, But these characters, you know, Rick and, uh, and Renal are, they're like truly liminal people. They live in the middle space and they know how it works. They know how corruption works and they're perfectly or not perfectly, but they're fine with it. And I think that's also one of the, the kind of the, the, it's not, the film's not a tragedy, but one of the sadnesses is of the film is watching the most competent people be pushed into simply being competent at corruption and managing corruption. And Laszlo is that spark that, that eventually sets them out of it. So speaking of competent people, congratulations, KJ, for winning this episode once again. Thanks, guys. I use my competency to, to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the beginning of a, what, wonderful friendship? What is it? Mm-hmm. What is beautiful that? friendship. Yeah, beautiful yeah, friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks again, Ben, for joining us. 
Audience, I just want to plug Ben's podcast again, Three Films Pod. I really enjoyed the Big Lebowski episode and the um, the Fistful of Dollars episode. I actually went and watched the movie so I could listen to that uh, episode. That was great, Ben. Cool. Thank you. And I'd plug it, too, as well. I've been on the show a few times. I, I listen to it a lot. So if you guys do like this show, go head on over to Three Films and a Pod. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I also, the, the Dollar Trilogy was a first time watch for me. So that was a lot of fun to kind of go over that. Um, and then, you know, especially that the tie to Yojimbo with Fistful of Dollars was cool having just covered Yojimbo a little bit earlier. But um, yeah, thanks you guys for having me on. Thanks for letting me talk about this movie. You know, I, I love this movie. So any chance that I get, um, I'll take. And this was, this was a lot of fun. I'll, I'll be back for the title i'll be back again you know um, yeah, you can, uh, if you want to listen to a podcast we're everywhere at three films pod and at 24 minutes of a 24 you can rate and review this show anywhere podcasts are available for those viewing in youtube land if you haven't already please like this video subscribe to the talking studios channel for all our exciting content and follow us on twitter at Talking Studios. Check out other shows by Talking Studios, including Keep Making Movies, where we explore micro-budget films, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games, and Get the Point, where we slowly reveal a movie poster and try to guess which movie poster it is. Got a question for us? Call the Talking Studios hotline at 201-467-8679 and leave a message. It may be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Talking Pictures Trivia wherever fine podcasts are found. Join us next time when we start a fantasy movie from each decade starting in the 80s with Conan the Barbarian from 1982. Stay tuned for our first impressions of this film. Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing Conan the Barbarian from 1982. Tom, how was your watch? This is my first watch of the movie. I don't think I've ever seen this before. Shocking. I've seen scenes of it, I'm sure, because I remember James Earl Jones turning into a snake. And I do remember Conan, Schwarzenegger's Conan, being confused by when he picks up the sword of Krom and, and, and that type of thing. Uh, there's a lot of Schwarzenegger being confused. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen it before. And I enjoyed the hell out of it for about 20 or 25 minutes. And I got a little a little tired of it after a while. Uh, I The crucifixion scene... Oh, the, there's a lot of spoilers here, Tom. Let's... Oh. Um... There's going to be spoilers. There's yeah, no, no, not, <laughs> the whole not, movie before yeah, no, the episode. Next week, there'll be spoilers. But Next week, there'll be spoilers. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't really hold up or, or make a lot of sense to me. Um, but there is this sort of incredible machismo to the movie that I liked a lot and a very unapologetic machismo as well the, the sort of idea of you embrace steel and steel is that which doesn't lie is very engaging and very interesting and very fun and also very different i don't see a lot of movies that have this sort of 
this sort of survivalist attitude over a you know much more kind of familiar moral construct so i yeah i had some fun watching it though i got exhausted pretty quickly it is it is more than two hours long which is it feels like a 90 minute movie that's been stretched james how was your first watch i really enjoyed it now i've seen it before but you know it's been such a long time there's a lot of it i didn't remember but you know i happen to really like the sword and sorcery genre um really in every way it manifests from movies to literature to uh to heavy metal music you know even the way that incorporates it you know for me it was always a guilty pleasure and what i like about the genre and about conan particularly was that kind of unflinching straight-faced look at masculinity like you said tom it's it 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 really is uh you know, a straight down the line, narrow shot with very little subtlety on, you know, the conception of being a man. I mean, even the tagline of the movie, thief, warrior, gladiator, king, you know, that kind of unabashed uh, celebration of old school masculinity is uh, certainly a guilty pleasure. And, you know, certainly in rarer supply in movies nowadays you know at least as directly how about you kj so i had seen conan a few years ago and i remember liking it i i do remember liking it i watched it for the show this time and audience the opening scene is actually really good it opens up with this battle in this village that i thought was really well constructed really fun but after that, uh, like Tom is saying, the movie gets exhausting. And like James is saying, I, I don't remember it even now that we're recording and about to talk about it. And I, I didn't remember it from my first watch. I advise watching this in small segments because I think there's a bunch of short stories that are vaguely stitched together. And it might be better to just do a few of those at a time. Um, but if you do like the opening scene, I recommend a movie, Krull. It's another 80s fantasy movie that I, I thought was good all the way through, so maybe go check out Krull. Um, also, I tried playing the NES game a little bit. I figured 80s NES, and it's awful. It's one of the worst NES games I've ever played. I, I don't recommend doing that, audience. Stick to the first scene of the movie, go watch Krull, then come listen to our episode. How about you, Nick? The year was early 1990-something, and Nick found two giant garbage bags Oh, no. Of VHS tapes, no, sorry, <laughs> giant garbage bags of VHS tapes on the way to sixth grade. This occasion has changed my whole life. One of the many films that were taken from HBO and put on these VHSs was none other than Conan the Barbarian. And I have watched this film many times. In fact, this was a pivotal moment in my young uh, adulthood, I guess, becoming a man, I realized that there are movies that can show people maybe not with all their clothes on. This was a pivotal moment in understanding the artistic expression of a director on the physical film. I love this film, not because of those reasons, but it just is something I remember in great depth. So yeah, all kidding aside, in that series of films within those two bags. I guess they were technically paper bags, maybe not the black garbage bags you're thinking of there, were many films that included Schwarzenegger, including another favorite of mine that we did on the show, 
called The Running Man, but Conan the Barbarian was in there too. And the plot is wacky, and I still love the film. It is just out there. It is just quintessential 80s fantasy, like what the world thought of fantasy in the 80s. Wow, Talking Studios, 